Mac Power Users, Episode 446, MPU Plus for September 2018. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you? I'm good. It is September, and it's, um, you know what that means. Yeah, it's time to uh, get some new Apple stuff. It's time to clear out the bank account. Prepare your significant other. Whole lot of stuff. I, I you know, I, I well, we're going to talk about this later, but I, I may not buy anything. We'll see. Oh, okay. Well, we, we, we're going to talk that we're going to do a rare show where we do talk about some of the rumors. But I guess before we get to that, there's it's another thing in September and August. It's the anniversary of Relay FM. So we, we've got a, a special show uh, we talked about a little bit before. And we were here. Uh, it's getting ready to release. So you should get in there and become a Relay FM member. There's a lot of reasons to be a Relay FM member, one of which is you help support KDME. We spend a lot of time making the show. We really love making it, but it, it does cost us money. You know, we, we have to give up other stuff to do this, and uh, we do appreciate the support. You can sign up over at Relay FM, but you can also get a newsletter. You can get access to all of the other exclusive shows for the uh, membership month, and they're a lot of fun. Not only do you get the current ones, you get all the old ones, too. So you can hear Katie and me debate Star Wars and Star Trek and some of the other fun shows we've done over the years. And uh, we really appreciate if you could support us. So... Go ahead and click that box. Check it out. You can either support just our show or you can support the whole network. We appreciate it either way. And uh, go download the, um, once you once you subscribe, go download the bonus episode this year, which we had a lot of fun recording. And I'm kind of proud of it. Yeah, I think the bonus episode is going to be released. I think they're, they're staggering them a little bit. Um, ours is going to be released mid-September, so a couple weeks from now. But you can still listen to the ones from last uh, last couple of years, so it's good. So we've got a, a couple of things going on. Um, you're, you've got, uh, in addition to the um, Max Sparky publishing empire, you're you're doing some new things with uh, with video. We're actually going to get to see Max Sparky. Is that? I heard a rumor. Is that? I mean, lots of rumors. September is rumor month, so you never know what to believe. Yeah, I have not been very secretive about this. I've talked about it a little bit on MPU, a lot more on free agents because it's kind of a thing, you know, business models and all that. But um, I have just kind of, I'm moving away from making electronic books. I mean, for a variety of reasons, uh, some of which I control and some of which I don't. But either way, I, I think the video courses are the way to go. People love the OmniFocus video field guide and I'd like to do more stuff like that, but it's always kind of bugged me the haphazard way I went about doing that. At first, when I first started doing it, I would just sell you the zip file with the entire multi-gigabyte video file in it. But that was a big problem because a lot of people want to stream this stuff. And now a lot of people are watching on iOS, so they couldn't download it. And just for a variety of reasons, that wasn't working. Then I switched over to Vimeo. And uh, that was a good solution, but in hindsight, it was a temporary solution. Um, you know, uh, and Vimeo doesn't tell me who the customers are, so I don't even know who's bought it. Uh, also, with Vimeo, uh, they make a bunch of, bunch of recommendations to customers, and some of my customers don't appreciate it because they get recommendations to content that they don't think is appropriate. Like, I don't know how Vimeo's system works, but when people buy a field guide about how to run a task management app, why would you send them some of the recommendations they sent? I don't really know. But it's always kind of bugged me. And I've always wanted to kind of control the whole widget. And uh, that's just a a personal failing of mine. And so I said, since I'm going to start doing more video, and and of course, I've set up this home studio now, so I can actually stand in front of the camera and have a decent background and and lighting and make something that looks professional. 
um, I want to, you know, control the whole widget. So I'm doing more. I, I have been mentioning this in the Max Sparky newsletter for a couple months now that I've been working towards this. Um, the studio's all set up. I've got the camera figured out. I'm spending a lot more time in Final Cut than I used to. And uh, I'm doing stuff. So the first thing I have is a YouTube channel. It's the Max Sparky YouTube channel. You can uh, subscribe to it, and I would really appreciate it if you did. Uh, I make a lot of uh, short videos all the time on the website that don't really belong to a course I'm selling or something, but just stuff to helpful, be helpful. Like a, last week, for instance, I did one on how I use Keyboard Maestro to manage my screens, you know, where I can just push a couple buttons and the apps jump around my multiple screens. And, um, and so now you can just subscribe on YouTube and get all those sent to you free, you know, and um, that's great. I'm really happy about that. But even then, I don't want to be uh, dedicated to YouTube either. This is not my intention to become the next CGP Grey. I just wanted to have a an easy place for people to get the free stuff I make. Um, but I also wanted to distribute the books that I've been selling and the video courses I've been making in a way that I have more control over, where I have a direct relationship with the customers, and I think I can provide a better you know experience. So after a lot of research and work, I have a new website. It's called learn.maxsparky.com. And um, it's kind of an offshoot of maxsparky.com. Just add learn to the front. And if you go there, you'll see there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, some of the courses I've been selling for some time are there. Uh, you can buy them there, and now you're getting them directly from me. And like I said, I have I have the ability to help you more if there's a problem. And uh, there's quite a few free ones as well. The... Um, for instance, on automators, we have a lot of screencasts that we make in relation to those shows. Well, now we've got a place where you can just subscribe to the automators course. I'm holding up air quotes and you'll get those videos delivered to you directly. I'm doing a series on drafts for the gang over at Agile Tortoise. There's a course on that. Um, there's one feed that is like all the free stuff I give away at Max Sparky. There's a course that one's called Bonus Sparky or something like that. And then I've got some that you can pay for, like 60 Tips and Hazel and things like that. Once I get to the OmniFocus 3 video field guide, which I'm now in the middle of production, that will be distributed as well through here. So it's just one place to get your hands on all that stuff. And there's some free stuff, there's some paid stuff. And I'm just really happy with the way it came out. And I feel like I finally have got this problem licked where I've got a way to distribute the stuff in a way that, that makes sense and you know, uh, where the customer and I have a direct relationship, where they're not getting sent referrals to videos they don't want to see. And um, I'm just really happy with the way it all came out. Um, did you take a look at it? It looks great. Um, I'm excited about it. And so is there a specific platform? Did you did you create this from scratch or how does this, I, you know, we could probably do like a whole show on this. We, we probably we probably can and will. The short version is ultimately I ended up using Teachable, but which is a platform. But it's a very customized version, like uh, Rosemary Orchard helped me with it and a couple other friends. Um, but it, it just came out really great. I'm super happy with it. And, and one thing I'm doing, by the way, is uh, in addition to making the OmniFocus field guide, I'm also working on a product related to series shortcuts because that's kind of exciting. But in the meantime, I went and just took my existing workflow field guide, which is a video product. And just made it free. So you can download that for free now. And it gives you a lot of information on workflow. It's all useful for series shortcuts when we make the transition. So if you guys have been waiting on that one, you know, go get it. It's free at learn.maxsparky.com. Yeah, you can get a lot of stuff. You get the you get the drafts field guide free. Um, just nice to have all that stuff in one place. 
Yeah, you know, I'm really happy with it. And it actually, I was really kind of just looking at it. And it doesn't even include the i iBooks author books because you can't distribute those that way. But just looking at the stuff I've created, I mean, you, you forget about how much you put together, you know, and it's kind of nice looking at that page of all those different courses. And uh, I'm now that I've got the studio set up, I've got the platform set up, I feel like I'm finally in a position to like make really good quality content regularly for people to help them out. And um, I'm, I don't know, it's like a second win for me. Well, I look more to, to hearing more about this here, how it's going for you and um, how you made this. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk much more about this going forward. Yeah. In the meantime, gang, just head over to learn.maxsparky.com and, and get some of the free stuff, if nothing else. All right. So this is our MPU Plus show where we talk about stuff that's that's on our minds and probably at the front of our minds right now is uh, what's going on with Apple in just another week or so. And um, I, maybe by the time this show is posted, we'll have a date, kind of the unofficial date that I think has been kicked around there is September 12th. We'll see if that date ends up being the date. But um, what, what do we think is going to come from Apple? This is traditionally the event where we get new iPhones, we're likely going to get um, new Apple watches, but there could be, there's a whole lot more kicking around. So um, there's a lot going on with, with Apple rumors. And I figured maybe we'd, we'd spend a little time um, running down them. And probably the place to start is with the, um, the big flagship product, which is the iPhone, because September is now iPhone month. And so um, new iPhones, probably more iPhone um, 10 like iPhones. Um, rumor has it that we're going to see a couple of different sizes, um, a 6.5 inch iPhone that's going to be kind of a an iPhone slash iPad mashup, perhaps uh, a 5.8 inch OLED, which is kind of an updated version of the current iPhone 10. And um, then maybe uh, an iPhone 8 replacement, which is a 6.1 inch version of the phone. So there's there's lots of stuff floating around with the iPhone. Yeah, there are a lot of rumors. I mean, so we got the iPhone 10 last year, and but we did not get a big one. And the, the so the rumors for the the flagship product, the iPhone 10, we're going to get an updated version, the one you can buy now. Plus, we're going to get an i a, a, you know a large size one. And uh, 6.5 inches is much larger than any iPhone Apple has ever released before. The old iPhone Pluses, I want to say those were five. Were they? Uh, you know what? I'll have to look it up. I don't want to be wrong, but the, uh, the, they were smaller than 6.5 inches. And, um, it's interesting. It's an OLED screen. If that, if that's true. So you're going to have at the upper end, the option to get the big one or the really big one, <laughs> you know, well, the, the current iPhone eight plus is a 5.5 inch display. I wanted to say that, but for some reason I was thinking the iPhone 10 had a smaller screen and I know that's 5.8, but I, okay. So it is a full inch larger than the current plus size phone. Now the, the plus size phone, even though it's got a five point. So the, here's the thing, the iPhone 10 has a 5.8 inch display. The iPhone eight plus has a 5.5 inch display. So the iPhone 10 actually has um, a larger display than the iPhone plus which is kind of hard to wrap your head around. The iPhone Plus is obviously bigger because it has more bezels because it's got it still has the the touch ID sensor. So the question is is that 6.5 inch iPhone um you know physically because the the dimensions of the the current iPhone 
plus um, is it's it's six point uh, it's about six and a quarter inches at six point two four inches high. So if you're talking six point five inches, if that's all display, you're talking about a half inch really bigger. And if you're measuring diagonal, may not be. I, I don't know what the diagonal because the Apple website just says that the current iPhone Plus is 6.2 inches, 6.24 inches tall by 3.7 inches wide. So diagonal wise, that could be about 6.5 inches. Well, we 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 may be talking current size, physical footprint size of the iPhone 8 Plus, but all screen. Yeah, and it's funny because everyone is talking about how the iPad Mini has been lingering, and there's even some articles uh, moving around the internet in the last week talking about how Apple's officially going to kill it. I think that you know you can see what the cause of that would be if they're releasing an iPhone 10 that's going to have a 6.5 inch screen. Why is why are people going to want the iPad Mini? Well, it's obviously not a cellular device. So for people who want more of a true reader or something small or and lightweight, that I, I think there is a market for it. But I think it's a dwindling market. Yeah. Well, also, it's a great device for kids. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I was in charge, they would keep making that, too. But, you know, nobody's put me in charge. But either way, I can kind of see the what's going on here is that they're looking at the big iPhone as a replacement for a small iPad. And then in addition, there is this rumor about this lower price, non-OLED screen, cheaper phone, which is the successor to the iPhone 8, and it's supposed to have a 6.1-inch screen. And um, the thing that's interesting to me about that is I don't think we really know what it's going to look like. Is it going to be, because at some point the rumor mill said it's going to be kind of like an iPhone 10 with a notch, and it's going to have Face ID, but it's going to be not with an OLED screen and have some other stuff that's cheaper in it. So I don't know if they're going to do that or just stick with the old iPhone 8 design. And the the secondary question to that is what about people who don't want the expensive one, but don't want the huge one either? You know, like the people who want the current iPhone, which is smaller than a 6.1 inch screen, you know, the iPhone 8. Um, and uh, it seems to me like you would almost need two at the lower price tier, but I guess we'll see. Well, you know, we we do still have this thing called the iPhone SE, which people forget about. In fact, if you go to the uh, uh, apple.com slash iPhone slash compare, um, they don't even list the iPhone SE on the compare page. It's it's a it's a little sad. It's just you can get the iPhone 10, the iPhone um, uh, 8 and the iPhone 8 plus, And then you have to click another menu to see all the iPhone models. And then and then it will take you to see, oh, yeah, there actually are a few options. Um, perhaps the, um, the iPhone, because keep in mind, Apple still says, sells the iPhone 6S. I mean, this is, this is a relic of the, of the Tim Cook era is that I, I think Apple is going to continue to keep the iPhone 8 and it will just drop down to be their, their lower price phone. Now, whether Apple gets rid of the iPhone SE, I think, um, I think that's probably either a good bet or or maybe Apple will just continue to sell the iPhone 8 and rebrand it as the iPhone SE. And then what we've known as the iPhone 6, 7, 8 form factor, because that form factor has maintained been relatively stable for the last several years. Maybe that just becomes the iPhone SE form factor for a while. And then we have the the new iPhone 10 form factor for a while. I, I think that could be it too. Um, but but Apple is going to drop down and have a lower cost iPhone. It's just a question of what do they call it. Okay, so let's assume all this is true, uh, and you wake up tomorrow and you have Kim, Tim Cook's job. Uh, what are you going to name these things? 
I would stop with the numbers. This is getting ridiculous. First off, I don't like that it's the iPhone 10. I would have called it the iPhone X, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I think there's the, the number. I, I mean, how, at what point are you going to stop? Is it going to go to 11? Maybe it is. Um, I think it's going to be the iPhone 10 or the iPhone. Uh, it's going to be the new iPhone 10. Um, and it's going to be, I don't know if they're going to call it the iPhone 10 plus, or uh, I don't know why we need to have, is it, can't, can it just be the iPhone 10 and the bigger iPhone 10? I, I would like to see it simplify as well. I mean, I really like the way they've named the iPads where you've got the iPad and the iPad pro. Yeah. And, and it's the iPad nine point. Actually, we've got three now, don't we? Don't we have the 9.7, the 10.5 and the 12 point something? Yeah, but in terms of product families, you really have just the standard iPad, and then you've got the fancy iPad Pro, which has got, you know, better screen and some additional features. And then, so when you go to buy it, you just decide, do, am I, do I want the Pro model or do I want the standard one? And then, you know, you make a few decisions on top of that. And we stopped, because we were numbering iPads for a while. You know, I remember when there was the iPad 2 and the iPad, you know, whatever. But the um, uh, but that stopped, and we all got over it. So I... I Personally, if I was in charge, I would like to see them stop the numbering, too. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they've done a lot of studies on it because part of the thing is with marketing, you know, a lot of people buy iPad. I'm sorry, iPhones a lot more frequently than iPads. And maybe they think by not having a, a unique and, you know, snowflake name every year would cause some people not to buy the new one. I don't know. But the uh, but I don't care if I was in charge. I would say there's the iPhone pros and the standard iPhones and, you know, and then you've got two sizes in each one, you know, kind of just simplify it. And then let's, get, I'm with you. Let's get off the bandwagon of uh, numbers. Um, are you going to, we've talked about this before. You've had the plus size phones before. Um, if there's a bigger phone announced, are you ready to go big? You know, I, I probably will. I mean, I, I, I don't know why I have, I've, I've had the iPhone 10 for the last year and I really like it. It fits in my pocket just fine. Um, I do wear reading glasses and uh, having a little extra pixels would help. And when I had the big phone, it never really bothered me either. Having the big phone in my pocket. When, one of the rumors is that the big one allow you put side by side apps. And I'm not sure I would even do that, honestly, because even at 6.5 inches, it's still awful small. But the um, my guess is I'd probably end up getting the big one. I mean, I'm just going to accept reality. <laughs> you know? I, I, I will say that, yes, you will end up getting the bigger one. Yeah. How about you? Or are you going to get one? First off, I absolutely will not get the big one. I have no desire for a bigger phone. In fact, I would love it if the iPhone 10 would get a little bit smaller because we we're getting right about to the edge of how big of a I mean, I I did not want the iPhone 10 to get any bigger. Um, I'm I'm still one of those people. I would love the iPhone SE size. Um, I, I just I don't want a bigger iPhone, period. So, um, no, I absolutely will not get a bigger phone. I don't really know what Apple could put in the new iPhone 10 to make it appeal to me to get a new one. I, I say that now and realize that there very well could be something they put into it. Um, I, I have not been, I think, as happy with the iPhone 10 as a lot of people have. Face ID hasn't been great for me. I miss Touch ID every day. Sometimes I wish I had gotten the iPhone 8 in lieu of the iPhone 10. Um Sometimes, not every day. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I don't think um, that a camera bump, which I know is a big deal for a lot of people, means anything to me. We've gotten to the point now where the camera for me is good enough. Um, 
I think if Apple says that Face ID is now twice as fast and much more accurate, I'm not sure that I would believe them. But that would probably honestly be the um, the the biggest thing that I would want. I've already got wireless charging, which I thought was gimmicky before, but now I I really like it. So I, I don't really know. Don't really know what Apple's going to do with the new iPhone 10. That's that's going to make it that much greater for me. It's plenty fast. It's plenty big. It's you know, you can bring touch ID back because I'd, I'd be on board with that, but no, they're not. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> what about pencil support? That's a rumor going around that it's going to have Apple pencil support. It's a rumor. I think that's going to be a big deal for many people. Um, it means nothing to me. I don't even use a pencil on my, my iPad. I, yeah, I think, I don't, it, I don't think it'd be a big deal for me either. I think it's going to be a bigger deal for people who get plus phones, plus size phones. Um, I, th- I think if we do start seeing Apple pencil support, I think we're going to have to get a new Apple Pencil. The the and and I I think we are going to get a new Apple Pencil. Um, I think we saw um, a little premonition of that with the with the Logitech Crown that came out. But the the current Apple Pencil is just too big, particularly for something that's going to be used on a phone. We we really need an Apple Pencil that is uh, really more the size of a pen. Well, I do think that if if we get a big size iPhone ten. I will be I'll be tempted by that. I mean, I was just thinking back over the past year, what have I missed out on not having the bigger screen? Um, like just reading it in bed and things like that. I think I would appreciate a bigger screen for that. And then the inconvenience of having to hold it with two hands and type with two hands and all that. I um, I actually typed. I, that's one thing that went back backwards for me with the iPhone 10 is I could type better on the, the plus size phones than I can on the iPhone 10. And um, so I don't know. We'll see. I I'm going to I'm not going to commit, but I think it's most likely I would end up getting a big one if they made it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to our friends at Casper. Uh, Casper is the company focused on sleep and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure that it's best if you can possibly be. And that's why you need a Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable is that they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. I can attest to that because we we tried a memory foam mattress before Casper, and it was terrible. It was like it was like sleeping in a heater. Uh, but the Casper is not like that. We've had one now for many years that we've been sleeping in, and you just don't get that experience. And with over twenty thousand reviews and an average rating of four point eight stars, Casper Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Um, you can be sure of your uh, purchases with a Casper. It's got a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door, and if for any reason you don't love it, they have a hassle-free return policy. We, uh, you know, we got one for free when they first started sponsoring us years ago. But since then, Casper has taken lots of my money because my whole family has them now. My kids, you know, as soon as the kids figured out that mom and dad have like a nice mattress you know, the campaign began. And then when my daughter moved out and she got a different size bed in her new apartment, you know what she wanted, Katie? 
she wanted another Casper mattress. So we uh, we got her another one. <laughs> so she that 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 kid I've actually purchased two Casper mattresses for, and uh, they're just great. You know, I, I love the way you can get them delivered. Um, she was moving, so she felt uncomfortable having it delivered to the apartment because she's not there a lot. We had it delivered to our house. She put it in the back of her Prius and she drove it to to LA and put it in her room herself. So it's just great. Uh, we we love having these mattresses. We've been having them for a long time. They have other products too, but but you know the the mattress is where it starts. And and I honestly think that if you're sleeping on some goofy mattress you bought when you're in college or something that you've just had around for years and never really bothered with, Casper is the way to go. You know you don't have to deal with that terrible sales process where you go into the showroom, everything's overpriced. They want you to lay on a mattress for five minutes to try and decide if you can sleep on it for a third of your life. Casper, you get to lay on it for a hundred days. You know, if you don't like it, you call them, they come and get it and take it away. So, uh, we're both big fans of a Casper mattress. Uh, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash MPU and using the MPU code at checkout terms and conditions do apply. That's casper.com slash MPU and offer code MPU. We thank Casper for their support of the show. So we've talked about the iPhone. What do we think about the iPad? Apple has often, but not always, released iPads at this event. Sometimes they've they've held them for another event. A rumor has it that we are going to get a new iPad Pro because we got a, another iPad uh, at their Apple special education event. And rumor is the new iPad Pro is going to look a little bit more like the iPhone 10 with an edge-to-edge screen um, with Face ID. And we've seen a few tells of this in some um, software updates. Uh, I know you're excited about a new iPad Pro. What do, what do you think we're going to see and what would you like to see? Well, I, I think this is like the worst kept secret this year is that there's going to be a new iPad Pro. I mean, if you go, if you install the iOS 12 beta on an iPad, it's, you pull down the control center from the upper right corner just like you do on iPhone 10. And then they put the time and the date, which is actually an improvement uh, to iOS 10. I'm sorry, iOS 12, uh, in the upper left corner, and then they have data in the upper right corner, the center is completely blank, like there's going to be a notch there. You know, it's perfectly set up for a notch. And and you pull down control center by the right notch, just like you do on the iPhone 10. So it seems to me like um, it'd be very strange not to have a new iPad with a notch in it and uh, iPad 10 like, I'm sorry, an iPhone 10 like edge to edge screen. It's going to be interesting. I will tell you, for me, and I think for most people, I use the iPad 90 plus percent of the time horizontal. Um, and so where's the notch going to be? The notch going to be on the top if you're holding it vertical. Is the notch going to be probably for, for me and the notch is going to be most of the time on the right side if I'm using it horizontal. I suspect Apple knows this. So I suspect that they've solved the Face ID problem where Face ID no longer has to be vertical, because that's going to be a big problem if I have to turn my iPad vertical every time I need to unlock it. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine they'd ship it if you can't unlock it horizontally. Um, I do think, however, that in Apple world, you know, that the iPhone is default uh, orientation is vertical. I mean, oh, you see it in all their marketing pictures, practically. And the Apple logo is vertical everything you know and and just running the bait i i just can't imagine that the um that the notch isn't going to be on the top and honestly i think that's better because that's where you you have more space vertically than horizontally so you know you would want to have the notch on the side that 
has the most space. So you're so you're not giving up the most precious real estate. It's just like when you want to put the dock on your Mac on the side instead of the bottom. The, the problem with that may be, especially if we're going to a, a less bezel design, that your hand may be covering some of the notch, which may cause issues if you're if you're trying to use the, the face ID camera or something like that. We'll see. And, and that's another reason to put it on top. Yeah. But the um, yeah, it, you know, that is an interesting question. I'm sure Apple knows what this, you know, most common usage of the iPad is, uh, whether it's horizontal or vertical. I, I think I use the the 12.9 inch iPad horizontally almost exclusively and the, and the, the 10.5 one vertically almost exclusively, you know, cause, cause I don't, I don't attach a keyboard to it. I just, you know, I use an, I type or I dictate or I use the, the on-screen keyboard with my thumbs. But the, um, anyway, that, that is a good question. But if I had to bet a nickel, I'd say you're going to see the notch and it's going to be on the, the vertical orientation, the very top, you know, where the camera is and everything else currently. And, um, and I do think we're going to see one, you know, with face ID and, um, I, I doubt we're going to see an iPad mini. I think it's going to be like a new 10.5 and, and hopefully knock on wood, a new 12.9, you know, part of you wonders, are they going to give up on the 12.9 now and just make the iPad pro the 10.5 inch? Yeah. I've also heard rumors that Apple um, may move the smart connector. I hope they don't get rid of it because I'll tell you, I really love that smart keyboard for the iPad. The smart keyboard has really changed and increased the way that I use the iPad. And in fact, the smart keyboard, this is the uh, the keyboard that is built into the cover that's so thin that you can use. Um, although I have absolutely no reason to need an iPad Pro, the smart keyboard is the reason that I buy the iPad Pro. Uh, there is just something about the smart keyboard that I can't replicate with a, uh, a Bluetooth keyboard that has um, the fact that I can fold it up and throw it in my purse and then always have an iPad with a keyboard with me ready to go. Um, it's completely changed the way that I use the iPad and increased the way that I use the iPad in, in a way that just having a separate Bluetooth keyboard that I'd have to carry separately or carry in addition to the iPad um, hasn't. So Yeah, I agree. You, you know, my one complaint with that keyboard is the viewing angle. It's uh, it's just a little too steep for me when I've got it on a table. Um, yeah, I wish it was a little taller, if that makes sense. It's uh, um, So here's my hack for that. If you're an Apple AirPod owner, take the AirPod case out of your pocket and just put it behind the iPad, between the iPad and the little wedge that it lays against on the smart keyboard cover. And that changes the viewing angle enough to give you a little steeper viewing angle. Yeah. Now, what do you think about connectors? Do you think we're going to stay? And this is both with the iPhone and the the iPad. And it, you could have a different answer for both. Do you think we're going to stay with Lightning for now? Good question. Um, I haven't given it that much thought. It, it would be nice, honestly, if everything just went to the standard um, USB-C. I just I think it would be nice if everything was the same connector. I think if that happened, a lot of people would be really upset because a bunch of people have lightning connectors and they don't want to have to buy new USB-C stuff. But I would like to see Apple just get on a common standard there so you could go on a trip and just take one cable. Uh, what I think is going to happen is it's just going to stay lightning. I, I suspect that's what's going to happen for now. I can see a future when it goes USB-C. I think it needs to go USB-C at some point. I'm not sure we're there yet. I think what's going to be funny, though, is at the point that it goes USB-C, what is that cable that Apple puts in the box? Is it a USB-C to USB-C cable? Is it a USB-C to USB-A cable? 
because everywhere else in the world, particularly with iPhones, if you go to charge it or if you go to connect it to anything else, that's a USB-A connector. The, um, uh, the CarPlay in my car is a USB-A connector. Every battery and every charger and every device that I have is a USB-A connector. And especially when you go out in the world, if you want to plug into an airplane or if you want to plug into a third-party accessory, is a USB-A connector. Don't you feel like you just kind of have cable fatigue at this point? I yeah, Honestly, I'm over USB-C. Can, can I please have USB-A cables back? But apparently not. Well, they're, they're bigger. I understand why we need to make that transition, but it just feels like we've been in cable transition now for like eight years. <laughs> it's just like, it just hasn't stopped. And um, I, w- I wish it would just resolve. If USB-C is the thing and it's going to get us through the next 10 years, let's just all get on it and be done with it. But it just, I don't know. Anyway, did, did you just have a lightning strike, Katie? Uh, it did not strike, but yes, it is. It is lightning outside. So, okay. So I wanted to make sure that you're okay. Cause you know, Things that happen. So if we hear electronic sounds and you just go offline, should we should we be worried? All of a sudden I disappear. You'll know what happens. But yes, I'm I'm sitting out my window watching uh, the bolts of lightning <laughs> come down. As long as I can see them, we're fine. <laughs> when I can't see them anymore, you know we got a problem. Yeah, the last bolt of lightning I saw was uh, last time I was in Orlando. So I get it. <laughs> All right. Um, so iPad Pro, are you at all interested in a new one? You bought one last year, right? You bought the 10.5? I did, and I love the 10.5. Um, I probably won't buy a new iPad Pro. I could be tempted. I, you know, I think if I could um, if I could swap my iPad Pro for a new iPad Pro without too much of a loss, I might be tempted. I don't need a new iPad Pro. Um, I made a mistake, and... I admit this now, and I don't want to hear anything about it because we've talked about this before. I am now regretting not buying the cellular data connection on my iPad. And um, so I almost want to buy a new iPad just to get the cellular connection because I'm traveling a little bit more um, and places that don't have a, a where I can't connect to Wi-Fi as frequently and would be really nice to be able to have that cellular connection on my iPad. So um, I I would potentially consider all things being considered. I would potentially consider upgrading to the iPad Pro if, if the features were such. And so I could correct that mistake and get the cellular version. Yeah, I, I think that edge to edge screen is going to be very tempting. You know, I, I don't know if that means they're going to make it the same footprint with a bigger screen or a smaller footprint with the same size screen. But, you know, it, smaller with the same number of pixels is, is a pretty nice idea. I think probably for me, I, you know, you know, my, I've kind of settled with my iPad usage at this point, you know, I have two famously, the, um, the smaller one sits next to the bed. I read it in bed and anytime I go out, like if I go to client meetings or whatever, that's my computer when I'm on the road. When I went to Illinois for MacStock, that was the computer I brought with me. So, you know, the smaller one, cause it's just easier to carry around, just makes sense when you leave the office or the house. Uh, the big one, I actually use more at this point than the little one um, because I use it around the house all day. I've got it on a nice stand right next to my iMac, so I'm on it all day. Uh, like in the evening, if I decide to go downstairs and work at the kitchen table for a while, I take the big one. Might as well. I got the big one, right? Um, but my my 12.9 inch is the original iPad Pro. I, I don't know. I think it's like three over three years old now, I think. I don't remember when it first came out. What year was it that the first iPad Pro came out? Was it 2015? Two years ago. 
No, it was more than that. Because it was old. It was over a year old when the 10.5 came out. But anyway, um, so I've got, and honestly, it works fine. I, but the um, if I was tempted to update, I think I would probably replace the big one and just keep the last year's model for the smaller one. And and they're both just totally beat up now. I am. Um, I did a, first of all, my big one looks like it stopped a bullet for me. It was like this big divot in the back of it. And I have no idea how that happened. And the other one, um, I have one of my uh, briefcases has a luggage um, strap on it. You know, it's like a piece of fabric that you can slide over the handle on a luggage cart. And I, I was walking through a client's um, warehouse and just slid my iPad into that what I thought was a pocket, <laughs> you know, and yeah, so it just went on down on the concrete pretty hard. It didn't break anything, but the back is pretty scratched up. So I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get much for either one of them. Um, but I'll probably update if I update any of them, I think it would be the bigger one, but we'll see. So let's talk briefly about the Mac. We just got an update to the um, higher end MacBook Pros, not to the MacBook without touch bar, also lovingly called the MacBook Escape, which um, lends people to believe that we are going to get a newer in a, a new lower end MacBook, perhaps a successor to the MacBook Air, perhaps a new MacBook, which is uh, the, the MacBook One, um, which is desperately in need for an update, hasn't gotten one for a long time. You know, really, I always thought that that MacBook Pro without touch bar was a was a bad product. It was a not, not bad product in that it didn't need to exist, but it was a very bizarre product. It was it they wanted it to be the new MacBook Air, but it was too expensive to be the MacBook Air. It really wasn't a MacBook Pro. It, it was just badly named and badly positioned. Um, maybe it came out too soon. Maybe they should have waited and released that now. But uh, it really feels like we don't have a good low end MacBook um, and. The, the MacBook One, which is the, the ultra portable, is is really just an ultra portable and not a, a really great. It's, it's a good machine for people who need a, a Mac but need ultra portability. It's not a good machine for anybody else. Yeah. You know, when Steve Jobs first came back to Apple, there's this famous grid. He said, saying, you know, we need to have four products, you know, a consumer laptop, a consumer desktop, a consumer uh, laptop and a consumer um, desktop, you know, the, the idea of the Mac Pro and and what ultimately became the MacBook. If you remember back to the days of the plastic MacBooks, and um, the uh, when Apple came out with the original MacBook Air, the selling point was it was ultra portable. It wasn't as good as a standard MacBook, but it was you know it fit in an envelope, and that's why everybody wanted it. Um, but now we've got this weird thing where the successor to that product became the consumer MacBook, and it's a great MacBook. A lot of people would argue it's the best product Apple's made, at least in the uh, Mac line, in a long time. And it, it just keeps going. The MacBook Air is what you're talking about. Yeah, the MacBook Air, even though it's got that old screen. I mean, the, the, the retina screen thing is what kills me. Whenever I'm in the Mac at the Apple store and I look at this the, those MacBook screens, it's just like they stand out for me how bad they are. But, I mean, they're super reliable computers. I mean, my daughter, um, my youngest daughter had, I bought the original MacBook Air. The, I'm sorry, you know, there was the original one, which was like two grand. The second generation. You, you. Yeah. That just started giving up the ghost for us in the last month. I don't know how old that computer is. I think it's like eight years. I don't know how old it is, but it's just like, it just keeps going and going. So they were great Macs, but the, um, but at this point, the consumer model should have a retina screen and it should have some of the more modern stuff that we're seeing in Macs. 
and it doesn't. And uh, I'd like to shout out to another podcast, the talk show this week with John Gruber and Jason Snell. Um, Anytime Jason Snell is on the talk show, I listen to it because I think the two of them together are just a great fit and they have so much history with Apple products. Um, but they were talking about this too. It's just like something went wrong, right? You know, that I think, you know, what they were implying, at least the way I heard them talking is that, you know, the lower end MacBook Pro, that 13 inch MacBook Pro without touch bar was at some point maybe intended to be the replacement for the MacBook Air, but for whatever reason, they could never get the price down far enough or, you know, just something weird going on. And, uh, but there's a lot of rumors that this year we're going to get a new consumer MacBook that's going to hopefully fix a lot of these issues. I hope we do. Um, and then we are due for a Mac mini update. Maybe this is the year we finally get it. Um, it would not surprise me if it's a radical redesign to the Mac mini, but it also wouldn't surprise me if nothing happens. And then I do think we are going to get a, a, a spec bump iMac update. So we'll see. And also just the, the MacBook, you know, the, the MacBook that has one port, the 12 inch MacBook. That hasn't been updated for a while either. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised if that gets an update too. All they updated with the last big announcement was the MacBook Pros. So everything else in the line is ready for an update. So hopefully we see something. And um, I would really like to see Apple kind of get this sorted out. I feel like the the laptops have been really weird the last couple of years. I mean, there's this questions about the keyboard. Katie bought a MacBook Pro. And for the first time in her life, she's kind of unhappy with an Apple purchase. Um, people like friends of ours who are asking and listeners in the forums are asking, what do I buy for my college kid? And I'm like, I'm not even sure what to recommend, you know, where it used to be pretty simple. Um, I feel like, you know, the, I don't know what the whole story is, but, but I, I do hope that this year kind of that all gets sorted out. All right. We've got just a little bit more. We want to talk about, there's some more stuff that's going to come out of this event, but, um, I, I, I don't know, uh, don't know don't know how much more we want to dwell on it but before we do i want to take a break and talk about our our next sponsor for this episode and that is eero eero is wi-fi that works Uh, the folks at eero have built wi-fi that they wish that they had for their own homes they built a fast reliable connection in every room and in your backyard too if you want they have a new second generation eero which includes a third five gigahertz radio making it twice as fast as before so whatever your wi-fi needs are eero will blanket your entire home in fast reliable wi-fi Um, it sits flat on any service you plug it into the wall with the Included power adapter, and you are ready to connect your Eero uh, either by Ethernet or wirelessly. They also have the tiny Eero beacon. I've got a couple of these spread around my house. And all you need to do is plug it into a wall and expand your coverage to any room so you don't have to move to a different part of the house to make sure that you can get the internet speed that you want. And realistically, in the modern age, with all the devices that we have, all the things that we have to connect, um, having one router just doesn't work anymore. Uh, like LightWaves, Wi-Fi doesn't go through walls well. You wouldn't expect a light bulb in your living room to light up your master bedroom. So why do you necessarily expect the router that's sitting in your living room to work just as well as your bed in your bedroom as well? Uh, with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. Let me tell you, we've talked on the show, Mac Power Users have been around for, I don't know, how many years, long time now. And throughout the show, we have documented all of the hacks and all of the things that we have done to try to make the internet work in our house. And I've tried everything from wiring, I have tried power over ethernet, I've done all kinds of things. 
Eero is the system that finally just worked, and I am so happy to be able to find something that I can stop fiddling with. I got it. I put it out of the box. I plugged it in. I plugged the little beacons in across the house, and it worked, and I liked it so much. I've gotten Eros in other people's houses, too. You don't have to wait weeks to get a hold of your new Dream Wi-Fi setup. You can call Eero and get it done today. They have free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada. Head over to Eero.com and uh, select Overnight Shipping at checkout and enter code MPU, and then they'll make it free for you. So again, Eero.com, enter promo code MPU for free overnight shipping. And thanks to Eero for their continued support of the show. All right, just to wrap up with all this stuff coming, uh, a few points I'd like to add on is number one is I don't know necessarily that Apple's going to cover Macs, iPads, and iPhones at the September event. I think that um, it would seem like if with all this stuff on the table, this would be a good year for them to have an event for the iPhone in September and then all the other stuff in October. They've done that in the past. What do you think? Um, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, one way or another. You know, we have not talked about the Apple Watch. I think I think we're going to see the Apple Watch uh, come out at the same time the phone and the iPad come out likely in September. So I think the question is really how how much time do they spend to the, on on these? I think depending on how much they have, they could split it into two events, but I don't necessarily think they have to. Uh, I could also see them just putting the stuff that they particularly like in September event and then just one day the website gets updated with new MacBooks, you know. I don't know. Keep in mind, Apple now has their own big theater now. It's not that big of a deal for them to have these events anymore. There's also rumors of new AirPods. I just, I love my AirPods still. I'm not going to replace them because I'm assuming I'm going to lose them at some point. <laughs> but the, the other day I had that happen. I opened, pulled my AirPods out of my pocket and opened the lid and there was one in there. I was like, oh, brother. You know, <laughs> you, know you can buy one AirPod from Apple. <laughs> oh, can you? But, but then I just... You know, I just spent a minute and I'm like, okay, what did I do? I, I worked in the kitchen and I'm like, oh, I bet I put it. And sure enough, it was on the counter in the kitchen. But boy, that's, the, you know, I broke the fundamental rule, Katie. AirPods only go two places, your ear or the case. You can't, you can't do that. Anyway, uh, so maybe new AirPods, that'd be great. And, um, uh, you know, there's rumors of a lower priced HomePod and stuff like that. I, I, I think the more HomePods, the better. You know, Apple, if Apple's going to make this work, they've got to be like Amazon and have multiple products you shouldn't have to only buy the super great speaker maybe you just want it in just a little puck you know like amazon does yeah um and uh, you know we haven't talked at all i I, honestly i don't think we're going to get a new home pod i think at some point we'll get a home pod mini maybe but um i i wouldn't i'm i'm not holding my breath for that um i don't know and you know we've heard nothing about a new apple tv I, I don't I don't really know what, if anything, Apple could do with the Apple TV. What I would like to see Apple do with the Apple TV at some point is um, make it smaller and make it more of a stick. I think um, the Amazon Fire TV stick is a great form factor. Um, even if Apple had a non-4K Apple TV, which they won't do, and put it in a stick. I, I have an Apple TV stick in my... Um, in my travel bag. I, I'm sorry. I have an Amazon Fire stick in my travel bag. Because it's so small and easy to, to carry around, um, I, I would like to see that get smaller. And I'd, li- I'd like to see Apple get smaller and cheaper with their Apple TVs, because then you can just start putting them in your guest rooms and traveling with them and those types of things. But again, I don't I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah, I haven't really given much thought, but what would you like the Apple TV to do in terms of functions that it's not doing right now? I think at I think we're going to see Amazon get into this, and so I think Apple's going to have no choice. But I I don't think they're going to do it anytime soon. 
I would like to see the Apple TV get into a TiVo type device. Um, TiVo is no longer making their own hardware. They're outsourcing it out. Um, Apple could just buy TiVo. It'd be fine, but I don't think they will. I, I think, uh, although I get that Apple says the future is apps, I get that um, they think that all of these things are coming through apps. There are still people like me who have antennas. There are still plenty of people who have cable. And if Apple TV wants to be HDMI one, it's got to be able to replace the cable box. And so I want, I want the Apple TV to be a true cable box replacement. And maybe, maybe you have a big one because it's got to be a little bit bigger because you've got to be able to, to fit um, some additional guts in there. But I think you get a little bit bigger one and, and that can be your true HDMI one cable box replacement. And then you have a little bit smaller one. That's just really your streaming stick that you can sell a little more variety. You know, I, I talked uh, last month or the month before about the fact that we went cable, we went, uh, we, we cut the cable cord. And so we've got the Apple TV in the kitchen. Uh, my, my big purchases month I'll put in the show notes is I bought for, it was like 10 bucks. It's a little Apple TV remote holder. And you know, there's a bunch of them on Amazon, but the one I found has magnets in it. And because this is in the kitchen, you can never find it. Now we just stick it to the refrigerator. Very happy with that. Did you ever buy an antenna? Just curious. No, no. I mean, I, I just haven't felt the need for it. I just don't watch that much TV. And um, it's like, even when I ask you the question, what would I change about the Apple TV now that I'm using it more than ever? Now it's not our only HDMI one. It's just, it is our TV. We don't basically put anything else onto it except occasionally an Xbox. And the, um, it, it works fine for the amount of TV I watch. I, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, wish lists for it. I think it'd be cool if there was a way to set it up like a um, status board thing, but that's that's an app, really, and somebody has to find a way to make money on it to, to make it work. Yeah, Panic hasn't been able to. All right, let's, uh, well, anyway, that was enough. We we usually don't talk rumors, but I thought with us coming in September, it'd be fun. And in terms of, of, of uh, costs, you know, what are we out this month? I'm definitely going to get a new phone. My daughter's already asked me, dad, when you get your new phone, you know, cause she wants hers. Um, my wife is interestingly, probably not interested in the new iPhone cause she does not like face ID. She's like, I think I, even though her phone is now two years old, I think she's going to probably keep it another year cause she likes touch ID. I may slash probably buy an iPad, but I, I have no interest in the new Macs, and, um, and we'll see, but, that's uh, how about you, Katie? Are you going to buy anything? Probably not. Um, the only maybe thing is maybe maybe an iPad if I if I find it compelling enough and find a good reason to cross over to get the uh, the cellular model. But probably not. Didn't you get yourself on the upgrade plan for the nope. phone? Where you? Oh, nope. I thought you did. I got I got done with all that. I got off of it all. I just bought my phone last year. Okay. So from from a pure price standpoint. I paid for my phone. I owe no, nothing to no one. And um, every every month that I keep my phone, I'm you know I just pay tw- whatever I pay a month for my cellular service. So, well, the Sparks kids can't wait for the new phone to come out because it, it triggers a whole thing in the family. Everybody gets new phones basically. All right, um, let's talk a bit about some other stuff that's on our mind. Uh, I am laptopless again, Katie. I'm so I'm curious about this because. I- Although I'm not going to do anything with my MacBook Pro at this point, we've we've talked about the fact that I'm this is the first Mac that I'm not happy with. Um, I think I'm going to go from just I'm just going to say not happy with. Uh, I am really contemplating going laptopless next time I buy a Mac 
get, getting an iMac, using the iPad as my as my portable and going laptop list. So tell me how that's working for you. Well, I mean, I had a I had a MacBook, you know, just a 12 inch MacBook around here. It's a couple of years old and it works fine. But I whenever I go out to client meetings and when I travel, I lately I've just been using that 10.5 inch iPad for everything. I went to to Europe and I used it fine. I had to at one point I had to um, uh, tunnel back to my iMac to do one thing, you know, which I was able to do with the screens app. No problem. But generally, I you know at this point everything generally works. I mean, uh, with OmniFocus three, I can select in multiple tasks. So that was something I always used to vex me on the old version of it, and now that's fixed. And just like you know, uh, Microsoft Word is working great, and just like all the stuff I use on my day to day business stuff uh, or file management now is way better since iOS eleven. So. Um, I've just noticed over the last year or so that almost any time I leave the house, I have that that iPad and I've not been using the MacBook and I haven't missed it. At the same time, my daughter's um, original MacBook Air has been steadily on decline, you know, where it's like the battery is super dead at this point. She has to keep it plugged in. I, I can go and replace the battery, though. That's not that expensive. But then she's also we're also having some logic board like problems where it shuts down while plugged in for no good reason. And we're, we're just having some weird stuff and we're getting some screen artifacts, which makes me think the video driver is starting to go to. And I think the computer is just slowly, you know, reaching its end of life. And it's a problem for her because she goes to school and you know, does a bunch of stuff and she's, she lost data a couple of times. So um, I said, well, just take my MacBook and we gave it to her about a month ago. And I haven't missed it. She really likes it. And um, I think that, you know, I, I tried this once before, two or three years ago, where with daughter number one, it was the same thing. She needed a laptop, so I gave her my existing one. And then I went and bought this one because it was in iOS 10 days. And I was going to meetings as a lawyer, and people were sending me multiple attachments, and I had to save them one at a time with this, you know, terrible iOS 10 days file management system. Whereas now, whenever that happens to me, I am able to handle it no problem, and it's not it's not a topic of discussion in the meeting anymore. So you know, just things have got easier for me, and I I gave it to her. So I think I'm gonna be sticking with this, where I've got a really fancy iMac, but whenever I walk away from my desk, I'm working on an iPad. So have, would you say that it's it's been primarily improvements to iOS that have allowed you to go? I, uh, laptop list specifically the file file browsing improvements because I know that's been my big thing. Yes, it's been improvements to the underlying operating system and improvements to my key apps. So I will tell you, kind of on on this thing, I, I've been thinking about moving some of my stuff from um, Dropbox into iCloud, but I don't have to because you know Dropbox does integrate well with the Files app. But I'm, I'm coming up on a Dropbox renewal, and I keep looking at it going, I already pay for this iCloud storage. But, you know, the file file management in, in the iCloud app has, has been a, a thing for me, but it seems, it seems like it's going to be okay. And I think it would be easier to be able to manage things on iOS, probably if it was just in the Files app in, in iCloud. Yeah, it is. I can tell you. Well, I've been using iCloud for as my primary document and file storage um, for, I don't know, over a year now. Um, basically as soon as, uh, they announced the new files app and iOS 11 during the beta. So about this time last year, 
I started experimenting with it and and have just stuck with it. It's been fine. I do miss Dropbox is better in some ways, like sharing like a folder and even just file sharing in general, I think is better on Dropbox. Uh, so there's still reasons to keep it. I still have a Dropbox account. I've got a bunch of different podcasts and client projects that require a shared Dropbox folder because not everybody I work with is even on, on Mac OS or, um, or on a Mac or iOS device. But the... Um, but my stuff I manage through iCloud Drive, and it's just been fine. I mean, I know I'm going to hear from somebody in the forum or an email that has had iCloud totally screw them over, but I've heard that from Dropbox users too. I don't know what to say, but it's been fine for me. I do run a lot of backups. I I, I could also see you though. I could see you being a uh, a mobile iPad user. I mean, the the thing you have to re- recognize is, you know, what is the difference between two platforms? Like I cannot do screen flow. I can't do final cut. There's certain things I can't do on an iPad, but I couldn't do those on that, you know, low powered laptop I had anyway. Um, the stuff I do when I'm mobile is I take notes. I use Apple notes. I, you know, use the pencil in a notes app and I, you know, I answer email and I maybe go on the web and all that stuff works just fine on an iOS device. All right. And by the way, folks, I don't know if you can hear it's it's now full fledged storming and rain is uh banging against the uh the window here, so if you're starting to pick that up, sorry about that, but we got weather here. It's Florida. It happens. The icon for this show should just be like Katie with her hair just pointing straight out. Because the because of the lightning. So all right. Um what's on your mind, Katie? Well, one of the things that I want to talk about, and I, I think it may uh, work a little bit with your, your office setup, is I, I did want to talk a little bit about cables and clutter. So uh, one of my goals, is, as you know, and we talked about it with the, uh, the smart home and the, the, um, the home kit show that we had recently, is I like to have a very tech-integrated house. You know, I like to have um, you know, Siri working everywhere. I like to have everything automated. I like to have all of that stuff happening in my house but when you walk into my house, I don't want you to see it. I, I just want people to see a nice house. I don't want them to see a bunch of wires anywhere. I, I don't want you to see, I don't want you to walk in my house and think, oh, that's a real techie house. It doesn't, I don't want neon lights. I don't want wires. I don't want flashing things. I want the house to look nice, but yet to be very tech friendly. So how do you reconcile those two things? And that's kind of the one thing that I want to talk about is how do you hide the cable and hide the tech clutter, but still have all the tech there? Well, there's there's a thing called wireless. <laughs> there, there is, but nothing beats a wire, man. <laughs> the um, uh, When we talked about what's on our desk, I promised to share a picture of the underside of my desk, but then I started moving offices. Um, I am going to take that picture and put it into the forum for this episode. I'm promising everybody right now. So that will be there. Yeah, we've heard this before. No, it's really going to happen. In fact, if I if I can uh, figure it out, I'll even put it in the actual show notes or put it in the show art or whatever. But the uh, but so that to me is the biggest source of clutter. Uh, cable clutter for me is the underside of my desk, and it's not that pretty. But I was just looking at it the other day. I was underneath uh, doing some cable repair, and I'm pretty happy with it overall. Um, so I buy rolls of Velcro wrap, you know, where you can wrap cables with them. I have those. Um, Oh, I forget the name of it. I'll, I'll look it up. But it's a it's like a sticker that you can peel off the wall. People making for like apartments to hang pictures. 
Are you talking about the the 3M strips? Yeah. The command strips? Okay. Yeah. Command strips, that's it. They also make, command strips makes one that is made for cables. So as, as opposed to like a picture hook, it's a loop that nearly closes all the way around the top. So you can slide a cable into it and it's going to hold it wherever it's at. And I use those on the other underside of my desk. And, you know, between that and the Velcro, I think I've done a pretty good job of holding it all together. But another thing I'm doing, because like you, I'm a little anal retentive about it. In fact, in the forum, there's a thread about my new office. And in it, listener Rajur sent me a link to this foam that you put into your drawers where you can cut it for, you know, like if you're putting a cable in there, you can cut it custom for that cable. And now I'm ordering that stuff, of course. But the, um, but I think part of it is uh, always looking at stuff that's in your cable clutter to see stuff you can get rid of. Like uh, you will have extra cables down there that you, for devices that stopped working or something and you just never got rid of them. I think that really helps too. So a couple of things that, that I do with this, uh, like like you, I, I'm a big fan of the, the zip ties. I, uh, zip ties are cheap. Just buy yourself like a, a bag of a thousand on Amazon and then be done with it because you can zip them and then clip them and then and then move on. Um, and zip tie ties can fix a whole variety of things. It's kind of like duct tape over the house. You never know when a zip tie will come in handy. Uh, although, can I, can I say on that, I, I don't like the zip ties as much as these new Velcro things I've been getting. They're just Velcro strips. They're like... Oh, I have I have many of those too. Yeah. But the Velcro strips can collect dust. Yeah, but the zip ties, you got to cut them off. Whereas a zip tie, the, the that's Velcro, why you have a thousand of them. Yeah, I just don't like it. And then I'm always worried I'm going to like be a cavalier with my uh, clippers and then end up hitting a cable. I don't know. I, I do like the fact that with the Velcro stuff, you can reset them and take them off very easily. So I, I like keeping things all bunched. I've got one of those little trenches underneath my desk that I keep a lot of things on. Um, a couple of things that, that I have, have learned, I've recently discovered flat cables. Um, I've got some flat Ethernet cables and some flat HDMI cables, particularly the flat Ethernet cables. I've learned they're very easy to hide in baseboards and trim. Um, if you have carpet, it's very easy to slide those flat cables in between the carpet and the baseboards. And so um, I've been able to run a flat cable all around the perimeter of my home office, whereas I thought I was going to have to run cable conduit along the perimeter of the baseboard. I was like, well, you know, all I really need to run is an Ethernet cord. If I get a flat cable, can I just pop that, you know, kind of in the trench behind the carpet? And I did, and it was fine, which is a lot nicer than running a a conduit. But for when you have to run multiple cables, um, I have found this cable conduit that I like. And you can even paint it if you want. But my baseboards are white. The cable conduit is white. So I run the cable conduit um, right along the baseboards. I don't like long runs of it, but if I need to go... Um, from like a, a desk to um, an outlet or something like that, I can I can run cable conduit rather than than having uh, the cable just just running along. So I like to do that. Um, the other thing I've done is I, I'm always looking for ways to to hide them. Like if you look under my furniture, um, particularly I try to look for furniture that's low to the ground. Like I have a, a, a china cabinet that's very low to the ground where it, it does have a lip. It does have an opening that's probably about, you know, maybe two or two and a half, three inches tall. But unless you really get down and lay on your stomach and look under it, you can't see under it. Um, but there's a Ethernet port behind it, and there's power behind it. So I've hidden a router behind there, or a switch, um, and I've hidden a lot of my Internet of Things hubs under there. Um, I just got a box top and put all everything in there so it's all together in a box top and slid it under that china cabinet. 
and and put it there and have hidden the ethernet and the power cords under there because you're not going to see the lights you're not going to see anything but yeah one day when i die people will find um all of these internet of thing hubs under my china cabinet they're all going to be smoking because the method of your death will be lightning strike and it's going to go through the whole house probably so for the media closet in my house i i have the cables nicely organized but like you i have a bunch of internet of things stuff you know i've got the um the ethernet switch where i've got a bunch of stuff plugged in the problem with all this stuff is that you need to pull it out too you know i i always love seeing those really nice network setups that people put where they've got a closet where they can like yank the whole hardware out or they can walk around the back of it because then they don't have to worry about that but whenever you have cables that devices that you have to pull away from the wall or the closet in order to get to them that's where the whole cable thing gets messed up you know accessing it pushing that back all you know it's like the cables magically tangle themselves so that's a problem i even have that problem on my desk because i've got a um, micro usb and a lightning cable that if you look at my desk it looks great when you look at it like head on you don't see the cables underneath except when i i press those cables down into the you know the access holes on top of the desk then you get this big stretchy cable out below the desk you know there, there's just not a good way to deal with anything that needs to be pulled out and pushed back well it's a constant struggle <laughs> if anybody has any good ideas or if you've got any great products um I, the other thing i do is um i use a lot of baskets for for hiding hiding things like um i have an apc that's plugged into my home entertainment set and i don't want that just sitting out and about so i've got a, a nice basket that's open so it stays cool and I've I've got cords running through the back of the back handle of that basket so that you can't see all the stuff in the basket. And the way I solve that problem on the desk where you like you have the lightning cable that's got, you know, an extra three or four feet once you pull it out. But then when you push it in, you've got that that thing draped along the bottom of the desk is I just wrap it around my hand. You know, I just wrap the cable around my hand as a loose loop and then I just stuff it down the um, the cable access hole. And then it, by the friction of that wrapped cable it stays at the top but i mean it's all these uh, you know it's kind of funny katie we we just kind of just came up with this topic as we were walking in the show but both of us are completely anal retentive that's what i'm taking away from this segment so newsflash we just lost power for a second and nothing went down because hopefully we're still recording because uh everything i have i own is plugged into a battery backup uh, this episode is also sponsored by our friends over at Text Expander. Text Expander multiplies your team's productivity, making up-to-date shared knowledge available instantly. Using Text Expander, all of your team's common responses are accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. And you know, we've talked about Text Expander before on an individual basis that you get it, it allows you to save a ton of time, get rid of those repeated typing phrases, but a lot of people are adding this to their small and large sized businesses to give them that access across the whole platform. When I was up at WWDC, I talked to a text expander customer and listener of the show that had hundreds of licenses of text expander at their company. And he was telling me how it just really changed the whole environment. It made everything better. The messaging to um, the customers better. It made, you know, made sure that everybody along the line on the computers was getting the common message out when they needed to update anything. Management would update that and it would automatically update across all the devices. It just really solved a ton of problems for them. And it can do that for you too. 
Uh, you can write your responses by your best writers and make them available on multiple platforms. It's not just Mac OS and iOS anymore. Text Expander is also on Windows and the web now. Um, it gets updated immediately and everywhere when modified. So if you're on a team, Text Expander will change your life, leaving more time for what you do best. And for larger teams, Text Expander supports a single sign-on, SSO. So uh, you can group accounts and make it easier for onboarding. Uh, it's a great product to get your team. I use Text Expander on my team, Katie. I don't know if I told you that or not, but uh, I have somebody that helps me deal with customer support emails. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there with links and things that are always changing. I fix that in Text Expander. I share it across to her. She gets it on her device, no problem. Doesn't matter if she's on Windows or a Mac, it gets updated and goes straight out. So uh, get yourself Text Expander on your team. Uh, to get a discount, head over to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about the app. Let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. We're always happy uh, to talk about Text Expander. It was the very first sponsor of this podcast so many years ago. It's a great group of people, and they've really changed the nature of that product with this expansion and allowing teams to use it to get so much done. So once again, head over to textexpander.com slash podcast. Let them know you heard about it on Mac Power Users and get more productive today. All right, let's let's field some questions from the, the listeners. Uh, we had a question from Vet who wants to know about shutting down Wi-Fi at night. Uh, he says, our Macs are hardwired at our home and our iOS devices use Wi-Fi. How do I automate turning off the Wi-Fi at night? Um, can we do it from one of our Macs? Does Keyboard Maestro help with that? He said, we have an Airport Extreme router, so we would likely need to use the Airport utility to achieve this. Are there any terminal commands to do this? Well... Um, there are a couple of ways that, that you can do this with a modern router. And depending on the, the version of the airport extreme that you have, um, many routers do offer functionality to either shut down the Wi-Fi or to limit the um, time that devices can shut down or connect to the Wi-Fi. Uh, and I believe depending, if you have a newer version of the airport, you can do this yourself. Um, but I know like my Euro has time where you can you can control it through parental controls to shut down Wi-Fi or to limit access to certain devices to certain times. But yeah, many routers do offer this functionality. Um, you can look at it either from a parental control standpoint. If your router has parental controls, sometimes they're called access controls. Um, your router may call them different things, but they, they probably have controls built in that will let you specify um, what devices you can um, have things shut down or when you can have things connect and when they can have access. Um, if you're looking in the airport utility, you can go into the advanced setting and there's an option to have timed access for Wi-Fi. You can specifically set this by MAC address and you can schedule a, a time for access for devices. So if you get the MAC address for the various devices that you want to have turn off, um, not be have access to the, to the um, Wi-Fi, Maybe you don't want your, your kid's phone to have Wi-Fi access between, you know, 10 p.m. and 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. Um, you can grab that MAC address and then set it to not have access between a certain time. You could also, like, pull a Katie Floyd and attach, like, a, um, a Wemo or something to the plug and just literally have the thing turn off. That's sort of like stopping your car by throwing it in reverse, but <laughs> it does solve the problem. Well, so, so here's the problem with that. 
um, if if you attach something like a, a Wemo, I, I thought about doing this because I actually thought about doing this, uh, connecting a Wemo to my my modem, because every now and then I have an issue with my cable provider that I have to reset my modem. And I'm like, oh, it's upstairs in the closet. I have to, Usually it happens when I'm in bed. I'm like, oh, I've got to go reset the modem. Oh, let me just put a Wemo on it and I'll flow a, throw a switch. The problem is, as soon as your router is off, you're not going to be able to hit a switch with your Wemo and turn it back on again. <laughs> well, that's, I guess that would be true. Some of them are Bluetooth, but, um, but I think most of those switches are Wi-Fi. You're right. Now they, they, they do have some mechanical switches that you could, um, but, but if you want to keep your hardwired devices on as well, that's not going to work. Cause as, to, as soon as you turn your router off, it's going to turn your hardwired devices off. No, no, I, I agree. I think it's kind of like an extreme solution and it's probably going to break more than it's going to fix. But the, uh, what you what you could do is is you literally could have an old fashioned timer. I mean, you could buy them from any hardware store for less than ten bucks, I think. And you know, people used to have timers that the, this is what you used to plug your lamp in before you plugged into a Wemo, and you could set your lamp in to come on at one time and go off at another. Um, you could bifurcate your network and have your wired devices on one network and have um, a, a second wireless router in bridge mode connected to that network. And then have your wireless router plugged into a timer that you you turn off the wireless router at a certain time, but your hardwired devices stay plugged into your wired router. That would be one way to handle it. Yeah. You know, one question that is in my mind is I understand the idea of like limiting access to your Wi-Fi. And I don't know if this is a security based thing or if it's to keep the kids off of at night. Um, uh, If it's a security thing, I would say that you know, this is great that you're looking for a way to do this, but you should also spend your time making sure you're, you're really secure, you know, make sure you've got good passwords and that your, your network is locked down. Cause if you're worried about security, the bad guys are just as likely to come while the lights are on as they are when they're off. The point being, there are lots of ways that you can either shut down or lock down your Wi-Fi network at certain hours. Um, and most modern routers give you a built-in way to do this. So if yours doesn't, maybe it's time to upgrade. Uh, David wrote in, how do you store your business cards? He says he receives a lot of business cards and would like to organize them in a way that they're easily found. How do you keep track of business cards, contact information, and other small pieces of information that needs to be easily found? Do you use any app or other system? The um, I can tell you, I went through a lot of apps when I wrote the iPhone field guide. Uh, trying to find something that's reliable that will take a picture of a business card and automatically add it to your um, to your contact list. Um, there's a couple apps out there that do it based on having humans look at the picture and type it in for you. But I was not comfortable with that because I just felt like I don't know who's looking at this. And when somebody gives me their business card, I assume they're not giving it to me to have some other person add it to some massive database that I don't even see. So I was never really comfortable with the, having another person do it for you, and the automated ones just weren't that reliable. So I um, I do it the old-fashioned way, and, and I don't get enough business cards to make it worth you know too much trouble. Honestly, uh, most lawyers I meet have already sent me an email, so I have I capture it there on the Mac. So when they give me their business card, I smile and then I throw it away. Um, when I go to conferences and I meet strangers, I just take a picture that night in the hotel. So I've got a, a gallery of these pictures and I don't, I don't input them at that point. I just take a picture. And then when I get home from the trip, I just make a point of going through and adding them. I use card hop, which is a uh, same guys that make fantastic. Health. It's a really cool uh, 
contacts app on the Mac that it makes it very easy to add new data. But I'm kind of old school on this stuff, Katie. You have a, a faster, better automated answer? Well, I don't have a great one. Um, they are um, the the best business card scanner I've ever found is the one that's built into Evernote. And um, in order to use it, you have to have the um, highest level Evernote subscription. And if you are not otherwise using Evernote for other things that it warrants having that subscription, probably not worth it. But the best business card scanner that has had the best accuracy for me that will add your business cards to Evernote and then also add that to your contacts as a contact, not foolproof, but the best that I've ever used is Evernote. So if if it's worth that to you, um, you might want to try it. If you other, use Evernote for other stuff, you might want to try that too. But that's that's the one that's worked for me. Um, like David, I don't get enough business cards to to really need to have a whole separate solution. Um, Abby has one that is pretty good. You can you can try the technology. Um, they have a, a, a lower tier solution that has the similar technology in it. And then um, if you like it, you can you can buy it, but it can get expensive pretty quickly. We had a lot of people um, write in to, uh, to talk to us about full contact. Full contact is is really a specialized solution that is really designed for people in sales or people who manage a lot of contacts. Um, people who need this rave about full contact. The thing that I will will say about this and, and with the full disclosure that I don't have any information about what they do with your contact information, what their privacy policies are or anything like that. Um, so I would just tell you that if you are going to go with one of these third party services like full contact, um, you know, please make sure that you understand what they're doing with your data, who owns your data, um, where that data is going, because uh, like you, I'm I'm very hesitant to share my contact data with anybody else. I don't want my contact data shared. So just check out full contact if that's something that's really important to you and that's the business that you're in. But but also check out and make sure that you understand what they're doing with the data. A wolf wrote in, he says, I broke my iPhone 6S screen. Would you buy a new iPhone or fix it at this point in the year? Wolf was planning to upgrade soon, but waiting until the September announcements. Um, and obviously we're at this point a week away. I think when we got this email from Wolf, it was it was a couple of weeks ago. So we were about a month away then. But uh, it's still good question. Good advice to have. Yeah, I think you just... If you really need a phone and your phone breaks, then get the new phone and then just understand, you know, like if my iPhone 10 had, you know, failed on me a month ago, I would have bought a new iPhone 10 and just dealt with the fact that I'm not going to get the new upgrade because you need a phone, you know. Um, so just, you know, be kind of be reasonable about it. Uh, we can usually count on getting a new one in September. Like, you know, when you're this close to the event, see if you can't find a way to get by. Um, I, you know, I don't think that the difference between the new iPhone 10, even though I've already publicly committed to buying one, I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference between the new one and the old one. Apple improves them incrementally every year. Um, but you know, it's okay if you don't get the new one every year. So I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, uh, it depends on what you break. If your phone is completely unusable, you got to do something. If it's just the screen, is it usable? And if it's just the screen, then you also have to think about, do you fix it with an Apple authorized repair, which is going to cost you, depending, I'm, I'm throwing out ballparks here, but depending on the type and how deep and how bad the damage is. But 
On average, an Apple authorized screen repair, either at an Apple store or with an Apple authorized provider that will do the screen repair right and it will be warranted, is going to cost you about 200 bucks. Whereas you can go to one of these pop-up shops or one of these, you know, um, fix-it places for the phone and get it done for probably about half that. And and we faced this recently with, with my mom where she broke her, her iPhone 7 screen and I convinced her because she was not planning to upgrade anytime soon. I convinced her to spend the 200 bucks and get it fixed um, by Apple because I was worried about her touch ID sensor working and those types of things. She kind of wanted to get it done for the the hundred buck price at the the U Fix It place, right? Up, or the I Fix It place? Well, not I Fix It because that's actually a place, but the you know whatever Fix It place right up the street. Um, I I think depending on where you are in the year, you maybe could roll the dice on that. Um, I think you have to also take into consideration what are you going to do with the phone. If you're only going to use it for a month, maybe you roll the dice. What are you going to do with it after that? A phone with a broken screen is worth almost nothing. Um, if you fix it, what can you get for it? If you resell it to someone like Gazelle or if you know or if you're going to hand it down to somebody, I would lean on if it's just a screen and it's fixable, I would lean and it's a relatively modern phone. I would lean on fixing it because you're probably at least going to get back out of it what you spent to fix it. And that's a good point. Like if it was just, a, I was kind of assuming that the phone was, is dead, but if you're able to fix a screen, even if you want to get the new one in three months, it's probably worth it just to fix the screen. And in that case, I don't think those pop-up stores are necessarily bad. I mean, a lot of them do a fine job. And like in this case, it's this iPhone 6S, so it's already pretty old. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to spend all of the Apple money to fix the screen. Yeah, I think it's just you, you take the risk that if you don't do the Apple fix, you take the risk of something else not working down the line. And, and you know, that's that's the cost of doing the, the cheaper fix. The other option is if you've got a phone that's completely dead is getting a used one from someone like Gazelle. Gazelle has the pre-authorized stuff. You know, they sponsor the show sometimes. And we've done that in our family where we had phones go bad and we were broken or whatever. And we bought a used one from Gazelle and that was fine too, which is resellable later. So, you know, that's another option. We've got some more to do, but before we do, I want to take a break and talk about our next sponsor, and that is 1Password. You know, we've talked a lot about how the best thing that you can do to up your online security is to use strong, secure passwords across all of your various websites. And that's a hard thing to do because you got to think about how am I going to, what is this password? Where am I going to find it? How do I know that it's secure? 1Password takes care of all of that. And you can head over to onepassword.com slash MPU and get a discount on 1Password. 1Password helps you remember all of those passwords. It helps you find your password and so much other stuff, whether it's online uh, information, whether it's secure notes, whether it's credit card. 1Password just takes care of all of that things. It remembers everything for you. I store things like credit card information, my passport information, all of my logins, all of my um, account numbers, all of that stuff just goes in one password. It's the safe, secure way to store all of this information. And once it's in one password, you don't have to worry about it because one password is integrated right into your web browser. So you can create passwords, fill in credit cards, sign into your all your accounts, all with just one click using the one password browser extension. And you know that you're going to have your passwords with you wherever you are, because one password is right there on your phone. It works on your iPhone. It works on your iPad. 
and it works on your um, your Android phone or your Windows phone. It works everywhere. One Password has a lot of great features. It allows you to protect your data while you travel with their new travel mode. It allows you to see where your passwords are that may have been compromised. They've got one of my favorite features is their Watchtower feature, which will let you know, hey, maybe this password has been compromised. This website has been compromised. You should change your password. We found this password on a database of pwned and cracked passwords. You should probably change your password. You haven't changed your password in a long time. You should probably change your password. It helps you keep up with good password hygiene. There are so many many benefits to using a password manager like 1Password. It's really time that you get on board if you haven't done it already. And if you are already on board with 1Password, remember that you are only as safe as your weakest link. So it's probably time to get your family members and your coworkers on board with 1Password as well. And it's easy to do that because not only can you get 1Password for yourself, you can also get 1Password for your family and for your coworkers as well. You can learn more by heading over to onepassword.com slash MPU. Check out 1Password for yourself, 1Password for your family, and 1Password for your team. There's a variety of uh, pricing options depending on whether you just need 1Password for yourself or for other people in your life. And when you subscribe to 1Password, you can make sure that everyone in your team or your family or yourself is always up to date because that one-stop shop makes sure that you get 1Password across all of your various devices and you're always up to date and ready to go. So again, head on over to onepasswordcom slash MPU. And thanks to the fine folks at 1Password for their continued support of the show. Katie, we got some listener feedback uh, over the last month. I thought we'd share a little bit about that. Um, uh, listener Rankus wrote in, be aware of fake products sold online, fake chargers, fail safety tests, an alarming number of products sold online through third-party marketplaces or auction sites are fake or knockoffs. This is just kind of a continuation in Katie's loss of faith in humanity that, that we saw last month. I, I think you have to be careful about this. I don't think that I've been bit by this recently, but um, Amazon is having more and more trouble with this. I know eBay is having more and more trouble like this. I'm very careful that I only buy direct from Amazon, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to necessarily get a fake. So be careful. Yeah, I was buying lighting for the home studio, um, for the video studio, and uh, our friend Liana Lehua, um, you know, gave me, you know, she's my my sensei and all this. And she said, this is the lighting that will work for you. I'm like, great. I found it on Amazon. She's like, Oh, oh don't buy it on Amazon. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no, it says it's from the manufacturer. No, she said she, she insisted that I buy it from B and H because uh, she had some friends that bought things that looked like they were, you know, not inexpensive lighting products that turned out to be knockoffs. It's just, it's like, now I've got to think about that every time I go to buy something significant. And um, that's kind of sad. I'm going to lose faith in humanity, too. We can't have that, Katie. <laughs> we both lose faith in humanity. Well, one thing that might restore your faith in humanity is Dom says, if you've got something that you, you know, maybe is not worth the trouble to sell, uh, check out FreeCycle or other swap options. That's a good idea. Yeah, we use FreeCycle at our house. And it's... I don't know what it is. I don't think I've used it. So It's just a website you go on and, and like anything you have in your house that you are willing to give away, uh, you put on it. And... Every time we do it with an hour, some stranger comes to our house and takes it. You know, <laughs> I had a, I had an old filing cabinet. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, I made the attempt to sell it. I wasn't really making any progress. And at some point I decided I wanted it out of my life more than I wanted money for it. And I put it on free cycle and in two hours it was gone. I don't think I want the strangers coming to my house, but if you're cool with that. Yeah. I just leave it on the front door. <laughs> I've never met anybody. I'm just like, it'll be on the front door. Take it. And, I, and, you know, I usually take stuff to Goodwill, but uh, for whatever reason, so I've used FreeCycle several times and it's, it's fine. 
Uh, Simon wrote in and said, when selling online, consider including a photo of the serial, serial number. What a great idea. I, it never occurred to me. And uh, that is, that's one to put in your pocket. Ethers says, um, consider Nextdoor, which is a, a community social network for, you know, like communities that sits of your neighbors. So I've been on Nextdoor before and uh, boy, it was just a whole bunch of people complaining about people's animals. So I got off of it pretty quickly. I'm guessing that if they're the next door from my neighborhood, I'm probably a subject on it. You know, probably. Who's that? Who's that weird guy? Who's that guy with the cameras watching the deer? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And who's the guy that's playing loud jazz music every time his family leaves? I mean, I'm sure I'm like a whole sub thread in it. Now I want to read it. Anyway, um, Emily wrote in saying, try paprika. You know, we were talking about recipes and Apple notes. And how come I didn't say that? I love Paprika. It's a great app. It's We've talked about that before on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I It's one of those apps I bought on a lark. I think we had a guest that talked about it. And I just use it all the time now. I use it to look up recipes. I've recorded recipes. I think somebody even put my brat, bratwurst recipe in the Paprika database. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, if you like cooking, check out Paprika. Um, Jim wanted to let us know you talked about uh, Newton on our last MPU Plus show and it shut down. I killed it. I killed it. I, I was having my my public bloodletting on mail apps. And just to let you know, I have, after all that, I'm back using Apple Mail on everything. I am not using AirMail anywhere. I'm not using Spark. I'm just doing Apple Mail again. So there you go. Next year, I will do the same thing again. I will try them all. I'll be so optimistic and I'll end up back at Apple Mail. I just have a feeling this is going to re- this is going to happen again. It's like Groundhog Day. Just stop. Yep. Um, Edward wanted to know. He said, I mentioned that I, that Apple Notes was picking up a lot of my slack when I'm moving out of Evernote. He wants to know why I'm not using DevonThink. And I, I will tell you is because um, I love DevonThink. I've used DevonThink before. I started using DevonThink at one point a couple of years ago as an Evernote replacement. But I realized I didn't want yet another app to do this. If I was going to do that, I was perfectly happy just to stay in Evernote. Um, I like Evernote. I like DevonThink. They're both fine. I just didn't want another proprietary app to do this. I wanted to get out of apps to do this. So I'm, I'm using Apple Notes, even though it isn't a proprietary app. It's an Apple app, at least. Um, for a few things and everything else, I'm just trying to get out of the apps and into folders and PDFs and those types of things. And honestly, Devin thing for what Katie's doing is kind of like hitting a thumbtack with a sledgehammer. Uh, MPU 443, we talked about music management. That was a fun episode and we got a lot of feedback on it. Airwell wrote in to say, just want to give a shout out to Tidal as an alternative service. Uh, for me, it has been the most practical way to get access to a huge catalog of lossless music. He mainly uses it on iOS uh, due to the file sizes. It's wise to have the most frequently played lists as local downloads or be connected to Wi-Fi. Um, and the downside of titles that it seems to be skewed towards a younger audience. Yeah, I know the um, like, I believe like um, Beyonce and Jay-Z are owners in titles. So a lot of times their, their new stuff comes out on, um, on that first. And then you have to wait a while. Um, I, you know, the, the problem with all these third-party services, though, is they're not in, integrated into the operating systems the way the services we talked about. And, uh, but I do get it. If you're a big Beyonce fan, that may be the thing for you. Um, Armit wants us to know that there's a piece of software that he first heard about on the MPU Facebook forums, um, but we didn't mention it, and it's called Rune from Rune Labs. If you have a piece of music, he says, what it does is it catalogs everything quite neatly, and it provides access to it from any iOS, Mac, Android, or Windows device on the network. 
Um, he said connecting it to Tidal gives you even more access to a much larger library and helps you discover new music you might like. So I was not aware of Rune, but apparently somebody talked about it. And, you know, it's funny because because the big companies have got, you know, their their flags planted with music. You have to wonder if anybody can make a good app for music that's not, you know, from Apple or Google, because, you know, you got to make money to keep the thing running. And I guess Rune is the exception. They have done it. Uh, Z-Dub, great name, Z-Dub. David mentioned using the Rain and Thunderstorm track in Apple Music when working, but an alternative that he uses is Noizio 3. Noizio, I'm sorry, N-O-I-Z-I-O. You can use Noizio to create a custom mixes and background noises. I tried it after I read this. I went and downloaded it, and um, it's okay, but I feel like a lot of these, uh, they feel a little artificial, whereas the... um, the one I use is just literally a recording of a thunderstorm. Like if I had put a microphone outside Katie's house today, I could have a new track for this. Um, uh, another one that I like that I didn't mention on that show is Thunderscape, which is an app for the um, iPhone and iPad. And that's really good recordings of storms too. So there's lots of options out there. Um, Bodie said, um, while you work for, while you work music, I love focus at will. It's the best concentration music ever. It is a subscription, but he paid for a lifetime membership years ago and was one of the best um, investments he ever made. Um, he heard about it from Sean Blanc. So, and, um, Sean made a deep work playlist on Apple music. So that might be a good one to check out as well. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. And uh, he said one of the things that wasn't mentioned is the huge amount of media management uh, are those files on audio, uh, but not necessarily music. Things like lectures and sound effects and speeches. Personally, I don't like those on iTunes, and thankfully they don't need to be there because he has Plex. Um, The way I handle those, like I have a bunch of legal, continuing legal education stuff. I listen to lectures of lawyers sometimes when I'm driving around, so I know what the heck I'm doing. And I just mark those as as the genre, as CLE, and store them in iTunes. And it works fine for me that way. But I can get why you wouldn't want that in your music library. The trick is, you know, then using the playlists and whatnot to filter that out when you're not listening to them. All right. So I think uh, Rose made a very good point. We should mention this. We didn't mention it on our show. I thought we did. But um, if you have Apple Music now, you really don't need iTunes Match. It's kind of included with Apple Music. If uh, if you don't have Apple Music, then you can get the benef- many of the benefits of not having to have getting your music uploaded and those types of things with iTunes Match. But those are included now in Apple Music. So you really don't need both. If you're paying for both, you really don't need it. Yeah, and that's why my continuing legal education genre comes down to my phone, because I'm an Apple Music subscriber. You know, it just, just shows up. Uh, what are you playing with this month, Katie? Anything new, fun in the Katie Floyd uh, toy box? Um, I talked about it a little bit on the last episode. I'm still pretty happy with it. And that is the Amazon Cloud Cam. Um, I found a deal on them. Uh, uh, Best Buy was having a Prime Day special, you know, where Best Buy was putting stuff on sale same day as Prime Day. And I was able to pick up uh, cloud cams for like 60 bucks. And I've replaced a couple of my D-Link cameras with cloud cams. And I really like them. They don't fit in any of my Internet of Things uh, uh, with HomeKit. Uh, they're a completely separate thing in a separate app. But they're they're high def. They're fisheye. They have great picture. They will automatically turn on and off based on when I'm home and when I'm not using location based on my iPhone, which is good enough for me. And when I'm not home and they're on, they will send me alert when they detect motion. 
And so they'll let me know if something's going on in my house and I like them a lot. So um, I'm going to keep an eye out to see if they drop in price. I've got one more that I would like to put somewhere, uh, not mandatory, but maybe. So um, I would definitely get it. Oh, and the best feature of all, they um, they have 24 hours of free cloud storage. So you don't have to continue to pay a subscription for them. I don't know if Amazon's going to make that go away at some point. But for right now, I'm really digging the Amazon Cloud Cam. Great upgrade. I am, um, you know, every year on it, we had an Amazon Prime Day last month and every year on Amazon Prime Day, I usually look for something stupid to buy, you know, there, something that you've wanted, but you haven't, you know, if it's on sale, it's the kind of thing you buy on sale, but you wouldn't buy a regular price. And this year I bought the Lametric clock and um, it's, a, it's just a cool clock and it's, uh, it attaches to your iPhone. I don't know. It's about. I don't have it up here. I did a video review on it, by the way. It's going to be on the YouTube and the bonus Sparky content feed at learn.maxsparky. Um, hasn't published yet. It'll probably be a week after the show that it goes out. But anyway, it's a it's a little clock, and it's just cool. It's kind of a um, eight bit looking clock. I mean, it's a little blocky, but the um, the lighting of it is really nice. It matches to the room, and it's got because it's got a uh, iPhone app. It's kind of like that status board idea I had before in a clock. Like I can have it scroll and show me the weather and I can have it show me what's playing on my Sonos and I can have it give me calendar alerts or tell me how many Twitter followers I have. It's just, it, it'll, it'll take information from your phone and feed it to this clock. So it scrolls across or it'll lead to a type or kind of a way it rolls the data in. Uh, it's way overkill compared to like a, a bedside clock. You know, if you just want something to tell the time, this is way too much money for that. But if you want to have a little fun with it, um, that's this Lemetric clock. And uh, the place I put it in was we, we got rid of our cable box, you know. And one thing we realized is we were looking at the time on our cable box many times a day. You know, that was the only clock in that room. So we needed something to tell the time. But then we added this thing, and it's kind of a conversation piece at this point when it starts scrolling additional data. But I like seeing the weather and things like that um, in my family room. So Lemetric clock. Well, David, that's going to about wrap us up for another MPU Plus episode. Obviously, we'll have much more to talk about next month. We do want to say thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Casper, Eero, Smile, and 1Password. And if you've got follow-up, be sure you uh, talk to us on the MPU forum. That's at talk.macpowerusers.com. And we will see you all next time. Okay, Katie, I want you to unplug everything in your house now and just go to bed and let this storm ride out. (laughs) All right. All right. See you next week. 